Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another episode of Woke and Baked. And today my guest is Curtis Dunham. Curtis is the owner and operator of Kenai Satellite Phone Rentals. He is also the owner and operator of Norseman Security and Defense, Alaska Bitcoin, and a few other stuffs. All right, today we discuss the future of cryptocurrency and why we should all look into it. All right, Brandon Miller also got Curtis on his podcast to discuss The Hairy Man. I got to discuss with him Epstein, the truth about the movie The Fourth Kind, as well as what he knows about UFOs on the peninsula. He makes a really good point about what you might be looking at. He does a quick breakdown on the history of the hairy man and tells some hunter stories before we get into the Iron Asylum podcast. All right. Solid shout-out to my supporters, Iron Asylum, located at 35165KB Drive in Soldotna. You can find them on Instagram as well as Facebook and their website, theironasylumgymak.com. They carry supplements as well as those super-duper cool fuck cancer shirts. Profits from the shirt go to support a local resident with colon cancer. I was at Iron Asylum this morning. And I try and make it there at least on the Tuesdays and Thursdays at 5 o'clock with the zombie uh, zombie squad. So shout out to the zombie squads, uh, all you crews that get out there at 5 o'clock in the morning to make it happen, you beautiful humans. Now, when I am not at Iron Asylum at 5 o'clock in the morning, I am at AK-49 Combat Sports at the Peninsula Center Mall practicing either some really cool uh, mountain BJJ which is your traditional gi style, or we're going to do some 10th planet drills when Coach Matt Parker shows up. Either way, if you are interested in jujitsu and you are interested in doing it at 5 o'clock in the morning, come join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at AK-49 Combat Sports. Now, if you're looking at going at more traditional times or maybe getting your kids into martial arts, they have all of that stuff too, and I would recommend making a, a quick gander over to their Facebook and Instagram page to check out what schedule would work best for what it is that you are trying to do in your martial arts career, center, piece, whatever whatever it is that you're trying to do with martial arts, be sure to check out uh, AK-49 Martial Arts and see what it is that uh, they can do for you and what it is that you're looking for. Because they also have Bang Muay Thai. So if you're looking at, I don't know, like a striking yoga BMT might be that for you, man. You get to work on some foot movement. You get to work on some shoulder and back movement with zero resistance. You're just moving your body. It's basically like a violent dance, but with technique and all that other stuff. I'm sure we'll have Seth on again to talk about what BMT is and and what it can do for you. But as it stands, that is it. All right, supporters uh, as well. Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai Spur Highway. They are the makers of fine concentrates. Be sure to check out their Instagram for those beautiful diamonds. They say diamonds are a girl's best friend. Um, I like to think that diamonds are really good concentrated THC because uh, diamonds, like the rocks, they have zero intrinsical value. Uh, they're just a, a rock. They're a resource that comes out of the ground. Like it's it's charcoal with lots of pressure on it over a very long period of time. It's 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 a rock. It's a fucking rock. All right. However, these diamonds that I'm talking about from Red Run are highly concentrated THC diamonds. So if you are interested in concentrates, in fine concentrates, terp sauces, shatters, crumbles, all that good stuff, Red Run Cannabis Company has it for you. Now they make their own. They also grow their own. Think of them as like a farm to table type business, but instead of salads, it's weed. 
fine cannabis and their products. They also sell other people's products and make other stuff, not just uh, just concentrates. They also make Hashade, which is, the, in my opinion, the top edible in the state of Alaska. It's 50 milligrams of lemonade THC, and it's delicious. You can mix it with whatever you want, because if you are old enough to buy Hashade, you're old enough to get a drink at a liquor store. You can combine them, make a super-duper sweet-ass cocktail, and then, you know, let us know. Let us know what, what cocktails you're making with your, with your Hashade. I met a guy who uses it for Margarita Mondays. So if you are a participant in the national holiday that is Margarita Monday, some people do Bowtie Friday, shout out to Dwayne Bannock, maybe maybe give it a shot with some Hashade, especially if you are in the state of Alaska where recreational cannabis is legal. If you are not in a state where recreational cannabis is legal, come visit us. we got lots of Hashade. All right, they also carry flour from Alaska Blooms, from Warner Brothers, as well as medibles from Lady Grey, fireweed extracts, and much, much more. Be sure to check them out online at redruncannabiscompany.com for more information, as well as weed maps for their current menu. All right, 5150 Vapes, located in the heart of Seoul, Dotna. They are your home for flavored nicotine juices, mods, shatter batter, as well as your exclusive home for woke and baked merchandise. If you are looking to get your hands on what's left of the uh, Smiling Unabomber t-shirts, I believe they have a medium, a large, and an extra large at the shop, go in 15 bucks. Tell them you heard about on the podcast, you get a super sweet discount. Actually, I'm just kidding. I think they're 15 bucks now. So yeah, no discount, but you know, get what's left. All right. Now, uh, before we get into the podcast, some more people I want to give a very solid shout out to. Uh, the homie Alaska Red, he is, again, a nominee for Alaska Hip Hop Artist of the Year at the Alaska Hip Hop Awards going on this Saturday in Anchorage. All right, I will be heading down to Anchorage this weekend for the festivities. If you are going to be in Anchorage, let me know, and we can link up and hang out and talk about music or talk about whatever. Also, uh, Friday night at the Sports Center, the Soldatna Sports Center, they are doing the Mountain Man Film Festival. Tickets are 20 bucks, and they are available now, I believe, at eventbrite.com. I'm probably wrong on that. They're probably not at Eventbrite. They're at a whole other place that, I don't know, just look up the Mountain Man Film Festival, Soldatna, Alaska, and you will get all of this cool information. Hopefully, I'll be able to check that out on Friday. If not, I won't be able to. But you should check it out, because there's always stuff to do. Also, shout out to the Schnitzel Bomber, located on the corner of KB and, I'm sorry, K Beach and Pop. They've got some really good food, and I recommend them. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Curtis Dunham on the Woken Bake Podcast.
here's a question for you. By the way, I'm, I'm sitting down with uh, Curtis Dunham. And in a second, Curtis Dunham is going to tell us a little bit about himself. When you were a kid, what was your favorite movie? Terminator, the original. What about it? Uh, we weren't supposed to watch it, so we would sneak and watch it over at uh, the neighbor's house. It was, uh, you know, full of blowing up stuff. And Could you speak up guns. a little bit? Oh. I get a little bit closer to the mic. Full right. of... Uh, violence that teenage boys want to watch. Alright. Is that better? I think so. Alright, so you just said that your favorite movie as a kid was The Terminator, and it was because you weren't supposed to watch And Die Hard. I wasn't supposed to watch that either, but I remember both those. Watch them over at the neighbor's house multiple times. Uh, if we could not hit the speaker either. Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, when you hit that, it sounds like there's like a small earthquake. Which, by the way, if you heard Curtis's knee hit the speaker stand that is also a speaker, it wasn't an earthquake. We're all safe. As of yet. So far. The, the night is young. But we'll go. Alright, so what was it about the Terminator that, that really stuck out to you? Probably the... Uh... You know, fighting the bad guys there that you, you just can't beat, but they do. Yeah. Now, have you followed any of the other movies since then? Uh, yeah, I've seen them all except for the last one, um, where he's really old now. Haven't seen that. I don't know if it's good or not. I don't know. I don't really have a lot of interest in, in that one. Like, the mythology has just kind of changed and morphed into something that I just don't care about anymore. Yeah, it was cool when we were kids. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it led to, I think, a lot of people opening up to, like, possibilities, and, and A, in, in science fiction, B, with what is possible with the, the military-industrial complex. There's just a lot of really big stuff going on. Uh, artificial intelligence. Um, well, now it's more real than ever. Like, absolutely. Skynet's a real thing that, uh, you know, the military... Ours has probably got it. They're just not telling you about it. But Russia for sure has it. They've got AI robots that are uh, lethal. So it's coming. So the Boston Dynamic videos are, yeah. are one of the things. If that's the stuff they're allowing us to see, then imagine like what they are not letting us. Like what's the stuff that's happening uh, you know, inside of the hangars at Area 51? What are they working on? Like what are they working in uh, on like the, the really cool top secret underground bases that they're not showing us? I'm sure it's full-blown doomsday uh, you know, Skynet stuff. That One can only hope. Yeah, we just hope we want those robots on our side. And, um, well, let's, what are your thoughts on, on AI? Do you think it's an existential threat? Yes. I think it's a horrible idea, but it's out of the bag. So I, I think, yeah, it'll be a problem. And, you know, it's kind of a, um, the next logical step, right? It's, that's coming, but we're, we're not understanding the ramifications and it, it's already out. You can't put it back. That's the thing about technology. You can't unlearn it. And someone's going to use that for bad. And so hopefully we've got smarter engineers that can use ours for worse against them. Yeah, because I mean, that's the inevitability of it. It's right. like whatever it is, someone bad is, someone, someone's going to have some nefarious ideas of what to do with it. Whether it's, a, whether it's a flying robot that transforms into a truck 
uh, to destroy our enemies that came from outer space, or it's uh, something else. I mean, like, I don't know. I'm, confi- I'm confusing my mythologies and franchises. Probably here. The, the, the scary reality would be just, uh, you know, a killer drone that, uh, you know, can make a mathematical calculation and say, just like a Tesla car, right? The one that, that killed one person instead of three down in California. That was a big deal. Why did it kill that one person? Well, because it decided that one person was less lethal than three, which we'd all agree with. But machines have to make that decision now. And we've put that power into the, And there's no taking that back. Like, that is out. That is how this works. So if you have a, a drone flying over there, a killer drone, and it, you know, its mission is to go over here and blow this up, it's going to do a mathematical equation and take the human element out of that. And it's going to kill people. It's killing people now, right? This is happening now. And there's no putting that back. So, yeah, we've seen, uh, we've seen that with, uh, with drone strikes. We've also seen with the president of Venezuela last year, there was actually a drone attack that was uh, dramatized in that last Morgan Freeman, Gerard Butler, Save the Day movie, uh, the, the drone attack on the president. So, you know, we're actually starting to see uh, politicians, assassination attempts coming, you know, using this drone technology that we've known was coming. It's, it's sort of just one of those things that they have to show it to us in advance. Like in the 1980s, in 1985, I don't think many of us had any comprehension that this was going to be a real thing inside of our lifetime. Uh, I'm sure there were probably guys like, uh, like Ray Kurzweil. Or um, probably even you know Terrence McKenna, um, but a lot of these futurists were probably seeing this. These guys that are um, are really deep into the singularity, we're, we're starting to see that. We're letting, with CRISPR and gene editing, I think we're gonna come to a a, a point where we're gonna see uh, humans that are also machines. I, we're gonna step. We're gonna be past skin jobs. We're gonna be past uh, that reality in Blade Runner. Uh, and maybe get into the Blade Runner 2 reality, where it's it's melding of, of man and machine. I think so. I mean, we're the technology is already here. You know, there's the ethics that, uh, you know, a lot of this isn't allowed in the U.S. But that just means other countries are doing it and pioneering the stuff. And then we'll play catch up later. You know, or, you know, what the government's working on that we don't know. You know yeah. AI for sure. Well, there have been stories uh, for years about you know genetic hybrids. So you know there there's got to be a ton of stuff that we're just very simply not uh, being told about, not uh, not discussing. But now that we're here, Curtis Dunham, uh, let's talk a little bit about why you're here and what it is that that you do and some of your companies. Okay, I do uh, Kenai Satellite Phone. You okay. Know, just rental, sales, leasing of sat phones, um, internet, uh, satellite equipment, that kind of stuff. And uh, also have uh, Norseman Security and Defense, which is uh, mostly weapons, um, do class three stuff, suppressors, machine guns, and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the sat phone stuff. You, do, you deal, I'm assuming, with uh, tourists, folks that are coming in. Uh, Actually, most of my customers are local Kenai residents that, you know, for they go off snow machine in for the weekend, you know, and want to have something in case they break down up in at the trail or something like that or um, a lot of hunters that's kind of a big thing because you know most of the state is there's no cell phone service so you get something like that it's relatively inexpensive you know and uh, so that's the, the bulk I do have a lot of uh, um, summertime tourists you know they come up they're going to go hike the Russian River something like that and they want you know a little peace of mind 
a lot of times I'll get equipment back and it wasn't even opened. You know, they just had it in the truck or in their backpack just in case they need to, you know, press the button to have the helicopter come get them. Have you ever had anyone uh, need to call a helicopter with one of your phones? Yeah, three times. Yep. Okay. One was a boat down in, um, they went down to Whittier and they ended up sinking their boat. And uh, they're standing in it and it was, you know, like knee deep water. I mean, it boat's going down, but the, the Pelican case is floating. That's got the phone in it. And so they called the Coast Guard to come pick them up. And then I've had uh, some snow machiners that got, they got weathered in, they got stuck and then couldn't get out and had to call for a rescue. And then the other one was um, some hunters that uh, capsized their boat and had to call. That was way up north at, um, out of Galena. So it, it's handy to have. I mean, you know, it, at least one of those cases, somebody might have died, you know. The snow machiners, I think that was the worst one because the weather was horrible and they wouldn't have made it through the night. Okay. Um, another one of the, the uh, companies you're involved with, uh, Alaska Bitcoin. Can we talk a little bit about uh, Bitcoin? Sure, yeah. Love Bitcoin. Okay, so can, kind of explain to me the, the roots of Bitcoin and how you got involved in it. Um, I read it in a magazine article, um, Wired Magazine, about 2015, and it just it seemed really interesting to me. And so I started researching it and I bought a little bit of Bitcoin um, just to play with it. You know, I, I was sending it back and forth to myself and just playing with how you use it. And like, well, this is fascinating, right? I don't need a bank and I can transfer my money right now. And... Uh, it was, it, it really appealed to me, you know, because I, I deal with technology all day long, right? And so I got kind of excited about it and I really just went down this rabbit hole of what is this, how does it work, why does it work, and what could you use it for? And so to see how many people, you know, like there, there's a, a very small percentage of the world that actually has a bank account, right? And you got these unbanked people like Venezuela right now is a, a good example. You talked about that earlier. So there's people down there that use Bitcoin as their daily, their daily money. The grocery stores accept it down there because first of all, their, their dollar, the bolivar is shit. And it's had, you know, it's in the million percent of uh, deflation or inflation, excuse me. So if you were a millionaire three years ago, you have five cents in the bank today. That's, the good example if you had a million us dollars and we had inflation like them you'd have five cents three years later so they have something now that actually has some value to it and they can transfer it without the bank you have a lot of countries um, like my brother-in-law he went hunting down in um, namibia and where's namibia Na namibia it's in uh, uh africa okay so when he goes down there to when he pays his his guide and the guy puts that money in the bank, the bank takes 20% to deposit and 20% to withdraw. So if you have something like Bitcoin where there is no, like. No, no bank fee. There's, there's, no, there's, a, there's a minor fee, but it's minuscule. It's fractions of a penny, right? It's, 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 you don't notice it. And uh, so that, it started to appeal to me there. And then you also have like, there is no inflation, right? Like there's a set amount of Bitcoins that'll never be any more than that. And there's, there's just no way around that other than like a hard fork of the code. But if that were to happen, nobody would follow that, that fork. Like it's actually happened. People have forked the code. That's where you hear cryptocurrency. I don't like that term just because there's Bitcoin and then there's all the other shit coins. You know, some sort of makes sense. They're trying to solve a problem that they think Bitcoin has. But for the most part, we're solving those problems with Bitcoin. There's not a lot of reason to, 
to switch to you know whatever Bitcoin XYZ that you want to you want to have. Bitcoin is uh, they call it uh, decentralized, and that what that means. People don't understand that term usually. So what that means is if uh, I want to send you fifty dollars in Bitcoin, you whip out the app on your phone. I go bloop, and then right then. I just sent you $50. No bank in the middle of it. I can't take it back. So there's not like a visa charge, you know, like an online thing. Like, oh, you get your product and then you call Visa up and say, hey, I never got it. And then they, from that seller, they pull your money back, right? There's none of that. It's immutable. You cannot, once you've transferred that, there's nobody that can take it back. And the other thing, it's, it's uncensorable. You see, like with my gun business, um, my... Uh, credit card processor cut me off like that was a big thing a couple years ago so I cannot take credit cards anymore for selling guns because the credit card processor that's their way around like they're all you know they got some liberal owners or whatever and Visa and MasterCard went over went after a lot of these gun sellers and so unless I want to get a very expensive third-party company to do credit cards and I've no I don't do that kind of volume to even make sense but you can't censor a Bitcoin transaction. So if I sell you, I'm like, okay, here, the price for your new pistol here, Bill, is $400. And so you just go, boop, send me $400. No visa fees. I've gotten the money instantly. And off we go. So it, it, it makes a lot of sense from that part, too. There's, um, it's not private. A lot of people think that, that it's private. It's pseudo-private. Like, you can track those transactions you know, and so if you've ever bought Bitcoin in your own name, you know, with like a Coinbase, uh, Gemini, one of those kind of companies, and then you go, you know, because the government always says, oh, people are buying drugs on the Internet. So they, you know, any darknet site, they say, OK, you bought you're buying. That's what Bitcoin's for. That's not what Bitcoin's for. You know, cash is used for illegal purchases of drugs way more than Bitcoin ever will be. And but you, they, they do and have traced that back. You know, you had the. Um, what was that, uh, the big one that went, um, the Darknet market, the first one there? Uh, the not, Silk Road? Silk Road. Yep. Okay. Silk Road. They've tracked back and arrested all sorts of people that bought Bitcoin, you know, on Coinbase and then ordered drugs with it off the internet. They were able to track all those people down relatively easily, you know, so they, they know the wallet address. So it's, that's another thing, but it, it's uncensorable in that you, you could do it, right? If you wanted to, um, I like to use the gun one because it's something that Visa shut me off on, right? So they can't shut me off on that. You just cannot do it because there's, you know, there's guys like me that got the little machines running in my garage. There's big data centers in Iceland running this with the, the, the Bitcoin miners, and you just cannot shut it off. You, you could nuke an entire continent, and you would not shut it off. And you can nuke three continents. You're not going to shut it off. Like, it, it continue, it's, it's ran for 10 years now, almost 11 years, without an outage. I mean, because it, it's, I don't know if you know how it works, but I'll explain it real quick. So Thank you. There's a little machine, a little, just a computer, right? So imagine you've got a computer. you got one running in Iceland, one in North America, one in Mexico, one in South America. And they all keep a copy of the database. And so when I send you a Bitcoin, it goes out to the network. And it, the first one of those four machines that does the mathematical equation, I'll really simplify this down, how this works, because um, you hear mining, right? There's the block reward. So they take that transaction and all the other transactions in the world that happened in that 10-minute span, they bundle them in a block, 
they put it in the chain, and then all those minor machines validate that. The first one that comes up with the proper hash, and then it's got to be recognized by the next one that says, yes, he's got that in the correct order. This happens every 10, 10 minutes. It's super fast. Then that's validated. And so then the next block comes out, right, that 10-minute period. Here comes the next block. And then there's 12 and a half Bitcoins as a reward. That's why these miners pay all this money in electricity. So if that was your machine and you found the correct block, you get 12 and a half Bitcoins, you know, deposited into your wallet. And then it continues on the next block. And that's how you can't go backwards and steal the money because it's in that chain of sequences and all four of those machines and it's not four it's millions all of these machines carry that database the entire database and so they know that oh this is in order that's why you that's why you can't hack it people are like oh well someone's going to hack bitcoin well how you would have to hack a million computers all at the same time within a 10 minute span rearrange it to put in your fraudulent transactions and then send that out it's impossible you cannot do it and that's how this thing's ran for since uh, 2000, 2009. So did the anonymity of it kind of appeal to you or was it um, just that it was new and different and just an easier way to deal with your customers? Well, I didn't even get into it. Like back then I still was accepting credit cards. Like that, I didn't even get shut off then. So what just got me excited about it is that you don't need a bank. The, and, and the like our, our dollars, right? Our government fiat currency, which people don't even know that word. That means uh, money by decree. So your the dollar in your pocket, you know, when we went off the gold standard in the 70s, has gone down 92% since then. You know, it's, it's like the hidden tax they don't tell you about is the 6%-ish a year that our dollar loses. And because they just keep printing more, right? Well, if we had something like Bitcoin as an alternate currency, you can't do that. You can't just go print more Bitcoins, right? There's nowhere to just pull them out of thin air. There's only... 21 million ever that will be out there so you know there's a finite number and the guy that invented it which you don't even know who that is uh, just uh he's got a pseudonym of satoshi nakamoto nobody knows who he really is he disappeared really early on about three years into bitcoin nobody's ever met him talked to him it's just uh, email that's it and a, a bitcoin discussion group turns out it's john mcafee no no, John will tell you it's not him. <laughs> John would probably tell you if it was him as well. Like he, he, he probably would. And he, uh, John came, he came in a little late, like super early. I mean, still made billions of dollars off this, but um, but he, he recognized it too. And the guy uh, lives a heck of a life there. Um, but uh, yeah, he was he was one of the Bitcoin kind of pioneers. You know, he had the third or fourth largest mining company in the world for a while, and. Uh, that was back when Bitcoin was a few dollars, you know, not eighty five hundred, like it is now. So, do you uh, do you pay attention to John McAfee? Yeah. Okay. Have you seen his tweets? Yeah, almost all of them. Yeah. His most recent involving Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. Okay. So you think he's right? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. By the way, as a plug, all of you should go check out John McAfee's Twitter. Uh, and by all means, do do your own research into John McAfee, uh, McAfee Systems. Uh, look into Guatemala. Look into all of it. Do your own research uh, before you uh, before you judge the man. Um, and uh, yeah, he was almost our, our libertarian candidate in uh, in the last election. Yeah. He was the, he, he, I watched the primaries. I watched the debates. 
the debates were great. The libertarian debates are the, the best because it's really comes down to we sh a bunch of dudes that and gals, I'm sure, uh, that think we should just mind our own business. And that's and that's it. That's pretty much my philosophy, you know. Like, uh, there's a lot of things that the government should get out of right now. And uh, usually, when I have these discussions, everybody brings up roads. What are you going to do about roads? Well, I kind of like that when they bring that up to me because, like, my road I live on, me and 17 of my neighbors got together and we each paid 6,500 bucks and we paved our road. And so I bring that up as an example, and usually people are like, oh, well, what are you going to do about highways? You're like, okay, well. Get, I get your point a little bit, but there's a lot of things that we should have the government completely out of. It's they're out of out of control. The, I, I agree. I think that it comes down to bureaucracies and agendas and people inside of those bureaucracies with agendas that essentially they hijack everything that's supposed to be for the public good. But but anything that's considered a free service um, that is used to indoctrinate or um, Start the process of uh, of the um, of the wheel moving with with folks. Um, part of the uh, the line of um, shit, man. Brains elsewhere. Um, but the assembly line. I'm sorry. It's just kind of prepping people for here's your here's your free meal. Here's your this. Here's your this. If I have this feeling, like anything they give to you isn't isn't worth it. Uh, whether it's the free meal, the free education, whatever it is that is, is being given to you by them, when we say them, the, the big bureaucracy, right. dad, uncle government, when it's stuff that's given to us, it's never going to be as well maintained as it could be or as it should be. Um, however, those bureaucracies have also put up additional bureaucracies that say you can't fix it yourself or they make it hard for you to do it. Uh, an example was a guy that built some stairs. Uh, a while back. I believe it was in the Northwest, probably in Washington, but he built a set of stairs. Uh, they cost him about $500 to make and the city budgeted it at 50,000. So, you know, and they, they destroyed it because it wasn't made to city code. Right. So it, I don't know, I'm getting leery and that's kind of why I like living up here is that we have uh, a lot, as of now, we still have a lot less of those arbitrary rules. It's yeah, it's, I, we've got a lot of freedoms that we've lost, but this is still the most freest. That's why I live here, right? Us and then Wyoming, you know, and I usually gauge that by your gun rights, you know, because that's when, you know, the liberals move in and then they Californiaize something, you know, and start banning. They go, why do we stop banning things is kind of my motto. I don't care what it is. Stop banning it, you know. Um, there's, there's not a lot of uh, reason other than you get someone with their own political agenda and they get in and then, you know, voter turnout is horrid. And so you get people thrown in there that uh, you can see it like with the recalls, you know, even in our, our sleepy little town here trying to recall Gary Knopp right now, you know, because like 17 people voted him in because no one cared. And then you get in there and jump parties, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Um, what do you think of it about the Knopp? Um, uh, yeah, if you jump, if you jump parties, like if you were elected and I don't care, you know, I, I usually... I vote pretty strictly just whoever the libertarian candidate is, or I write in John McAfee. But if uh, yeah, if there's not one running, but um, in in his case, if you if you were to run as a, a Democrat and then you jump ship to the Republican side, that's kind of an asshole move, you know. That's. But did he do that, or did he he jump to to an independent? He yeah he did he did it the other way, yeah. and um, 
even, even still, like the people that voted him in, and it wasn't many, right? I said 17. I don't know the exact number, but... It was probably 17. Yeah, it was super low. And so, yeah, they should recall him, right? It's not what the the people wanted him in there for. And uh, yeah, if you do that, you should they should recall you and boot you out of there. And I don't agree with, like, the, the governor recall right now. Like, that was a lot of people that voted... And I don't agree with very many things that he's doing lately. Um, I think he bought his way in with the dividend. And everyone knew that wasn't going to happen anyway. But uh, that was a, a pretty big election with a, a bigger turnout. You know, same, yeah. same thing with the president right now. I don't agree with most things he's doing. You know, um, technically he banned more firearm things than Obama ever did. So... Um, not happy with that, but he's still like this whole impeachment thing that starting on day one, I'm kind of like, no, just let it finish out. If you want him out of there, you got your chance here in a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, until then, I, I still, I really would like to see how this Democratic primary plays out. In my heart of hearts, somehow Tulsi Gabbard's going to come out on top. That's me too. Um, I haven't donated to a campaign in a lot of time, but I've given her a hundred bucks. So... In the last campaign, in the very early days, I believe it was like in the Iowa days, I contributed to the Bernie Sanders campaign uh, because I was I, I, I bought into it. There was a lot of things he was saying that, that, that made a lot of sense to me. Um, and then he got robbed by the DNC. I mean, he got robbed, and then he was forced to endorse Hillary Clinton, the lady whose organization robbed him. And it was like, I just can't get behind that now. No, um, he sold out. Yeah, he and and he rolled with it, and he's continuing to roll with it. So, yeah, not not really something that 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 warms my heart. I don't get any warm feelings about that. I he's an old guy that's compromised a lot of stuff on on a lot of things, um, and that's what when you look at, at the DNC, that's all you see is you see Elizabeth Warren, and and you hear her, you hear her lie about stuff and misrepresent stuff. And then call out other people for for lying or misrepresenting their information. It's just like kind of funky. Um, and then you have Joe Biden, who's fucking creepy. Um, there's I don't get any comfortable feelings from anyone involved in in, in the the Democratic primary other than Tulsi Gabbard. I think Andrew Yang would come in like a he's super low in the polling and everything though. But I, I like a couple of his things, and he's way pro Bitcoin, so that like piqued my interest, you know. But um, yeah, Yang Gang. Shout out to the Yang Gang. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I like uh, everything Tulsi's talking about, minus the gun control. Well, but I'm, she's from Hawaii, so that's kind of how she was probably raised. You know, like guns are bad. She's also an army captain. You know, yeah, I don't. Well, and one thing she said was during that whole there was that Walmart possible shooter. You know, I don't think anybody even got shot, but and then Walmart stopped selling guns because of that. Okay. And they asked all the Democratic candidates, and they all said, absolutely, all big box stores should not sell guns. The only exception was they asked her, and she said, that's up to Walmart. It blew my mind. Like, whoa. Let the, let the company decide what they want to do. Let's not force them into doing anything. And uh, so I thought that was a, a perfect answer. So uh, going forward, I mean, if... How do you see the, the 2020 election going? Do you see it going in, uh, in the direction of the president? or? Yeah, so I, I think that Tulsi is going to get forced out. You saw 
um, I'm sure uh, Stephen Crowder's thing there on the suppression of her. No, I must. I missed that. Okay, so she's got a lawsuit right now for fifty million dollars with Google. Google. Yeah, for suppression of um, her ads. So what they had done is they had actually they had whitelisted um, everybody but the U.S. So if you're in the U.S. and they did this for like six or eight hours after each debate, so if you were to Google Tulsi Gabbard, nothing would come up. Nothing. If you were in the U.S., they geofenced it off. So if you would you know use your VPN with your Proton VPN and connect to Iceland, and and do the same Google search, boom, everything would come up. But, and they did this after, and they, it was proven, right? It was actually on Steven Crowder's um, show, Live On Air. And they showed, like, this is what they're doing to her. And so they ran with that info, and she's got a lawsuit for $50 million, which she should win. Like, Google, and here's, you know, one more thing back to Bitcoin, right? You can't, you decentralize stuff. You cannot suppress, you know, you cannot censor something like that. And, uh, but they did. Like, obviously, whoever owns Google is in Joe Biden's back pocket here and they're pushing for him big time enough to where there's someone with like her, her clicks were huge after the first debate. It was huge. And then it all fell off. Like where'd all that interest go? You know, and then they, they use things like Google um, analytics and they'll show you like who the top people are, the candidates that people are interested by Google. Well, Google is suppressing that information. Why are they doing that? Because they're getting paid by Joe Biden's campaign. You know, because they that's their candidate. They don't want, you know, somebody that's not part of the, the system in there. Well, that's how we got Trump in the first place was because Hillary was a horrible candidate. People hated her. Even the Democrats hated her. You know, there was you had to be a pretty hardcore Democrat to even say that, yeah, she's great. And so I think that's how they they push Trump in there. And they're going to do it again because they're, they're pushing Joe Biden so hard and nobody wants Joe Biden. Nobody. Nobody. So here's, can I give you my prediction? And this is my deep, dark, I don't, I don't speak about it because I'm probably going to get assassinated for this one. Um, here's how I see it going. Elizabeth Warren's going to get the nomination, all right? And she's going to pick as her running mate, uh, Hillary Clinton. And then towards the end of the campaign, something bad is going to happen. Like Elizabeth Warren's husband is going to get testicular cancer. Uh, yeah, because that's how evil Hillary Clinton is. All right, she's going to give Elizabeth Warren's husband testing. She's going to take him away. And this is going to be right before the election, and Elizabeth Warren's going to have to drop out to care for her ailing husband, in which time Hillary Clinton now becomes the presidential candidate without time for a debate. Forcing another Clinton-Trump runoff for no other reason than... Because of something evil, something dark. I don't know. That's a great, that's a hell of a conspiracy theory. And I can see her, I mean, well, she killed Epstein, so. I mean. How do you pull that off? There's, and let's kind of go into uh, what John McAfee said in his tweets. Um, You've been listening this long. He basically laid out who killed Epstein and how it was how it was kind of allowed to happen because you have the erasing of video um, or the, the the video from the the first suicide attempt is is irretrievably lost mm-hmm. okay um, and the video from the uh, the second very successful suicide well that's just useless there's there's nothing there 
However, we have security footage, uh, footage from just about everything all the time, everywhere. Everything is under 24-hour surveillance. Everybody has cameras in their house, in their doorbell, um, around everything because it's a technology that's kind of become affordable um, to, and I, I'm assuming the information is made available to very hackable servers. Oh yeah, it's very, I mean, all the time those are getting hacked, you know, all the time. Because everyone, I see this with what I do, you know, people get a device, they install it, and they walk away because it works, and they needed it to be easy. And then any idiot with, uh, you know, a PC running a scanner can get in that. And so, yeah, you're, you're right. This is 100% the biggest conspiracy, I think, in the last 10 years. You know, this one's, this one's huge, and no one wants to talk about it in the media. And it's a weird thing because it's on the tip of everyone's tongue. Yeah. Now we've got uh, news that the cops in the UK are not going to assist with the Prince Andrew investigation. Uh, we've got we've got the if the royal family are the Beatles, uh, Meghan Markle's Yoko Ono, and they're splitting up. Um, which, by the way, I don't know how much you follow uh, uh, Meghan Markle. You know what I not big I on cannot, your royals. I cannot stand royal anything. Um, you know the fact that they have not oh, royal babies. I, that's one thing that pisses me off. Is every time there's a royal baby and everyone's ooh and on and you know that that's worshiping a baby because it was born to a family of inbred assholes just blows my mind. You know uh, that's probably the most American thing I got is that uh, you know. We haven't had to give a shit about the royal baby since 1776. It's, I hate that, and I, I'm glad you... I also I always mention inbreeding lizard people. Um, <laughs> exactly. You're like, this kid is the product of generations and generations of inbreeding, outbreeding. Um, you know, like, when you have, um, like, the Habsburgs of Belgium, who, you know, if you, if you believe... If you get into, like, the Illuminati uh, uh, mythology, they're deeply tied into that. They have their own sort of inbred jaw... Like they had a Habsburg jaw that they became famous for due to generations and generations of inbreeding. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of these royal babies, they're essentially that. They're products of other people inbreeding uh, and, and getting land together. It's basically a land sale. Now, Meghan Markle, when she was um, an actress, she went to her psychic, her astrologer, her person teller of the future. Which, by the way, if you have a guy like that, like, like you have a weed guy. Like, that's your guy you go to because you believe in what he has. Um, the same way that you go to your guy for hot dogs. You go to that psychic because you believe in what they're selling you. Sure. Right? And if you get into psychics and you really believe in them, then you have to believe in, in a whole lot of other dark stuff. Um, just just to get to, to the point where someone can see the future. Right? Um, now, this psychic, and this is all shit you can look into, um, told, I believe it was People Magazine... Uh, that he told Megan that her future lied in the UK. So, first question. How many random Australians got some strange from Queen, or Princess so-and-so because she couldn't differentiate the accents? Uh, and then, what does that mean when you bring that into a lot of the the dark associations with the royal family uh, as they exist. I mean, they have a lot of they have a large stake in everything um, that 
I, I don't know if you're if you're a resident of the UK, you gotta you gotta ask yourself why you're subsidizing uh, the defense of criminals. Yeah, or uh, whatever, three hundred and something million dollars to renovate a palace. You know, this it boggles my mind how that country has put up with that for so long, um, and just and loves it, and literally worships these old people that really don't have any. Um, bearing on their day-to-day life, right? That you don't know them. Uh, yeah. None of us know them. And, and the people that do, it turns out that the people that they know and spend a lot of time with are all sick human beings. Uh, Prince Andrew was buddy-buddy with Jeffrey Epstein. Now, there was another dude, um, I can't remember his name. He was he was sort of their, uh, you know, Dick Clark, their um, Casey Kasem. Uh, top of the pops guy, Jerry Jeremy Scavell, I believe his name was. I'm probably fucking that one up too. But he was one of Prince Charles' homeboys. He was also like he was knighted. But this dude was like such an evil like pedophile. He would take um, like he had children's charities for like special needs children, and he would take them for like a weekend. Like oh, we're gonna do a weekend getaway with so and so, and then he'd bring him back on Monday. Creepy. But this dude was knighted. He was, like, you're telling me they, they don't vet them? Like, I'm watching this Aaron Hernandez documentary, and there is a reason that, that as well as that dude played when he was at Florida, he was a fourth-round draft pick. All right? He, he yeah, so the, the Patriots did a lot of research on him before they drafted him, and he was a, he was a stud on that Tim Tebow Gators team um, under... Uh, um, uh, shit, not Brecken Meyer. Is it Brecken Meyer? Whatever, whoever the coach is at uh, um, at uh, University of Florida. So they did research on him before he was going into the NFL, and they knew who they were getting. You're telling me that the Royals had no idea that these dudes were into all of this shit. We also know because of the information that's coming out uh, that Jeffrey Epstein was involved with um, with a group called. Um, the Mega Group. Now, is this all new shit to you? No, I haven't heard that one. Okay, so the Mega Group is uh, Les Wexman, uh, the dude that owns Victoria's Secret, the guy that gave Jeffrey Epstein a $70 million mansion in down... Like, yeah, a $70 million mansion in New York. Like, that, that last set of pictures of um, Jeffrey Epstein with Prince Andrew, that was while he was staying at Epstein's mansion that Wexman gave him. Now, Ep- now Wexman... Uh, is the the guy that owns Victoria's Secret and a whole bunch of other like mall brands. So if you're thinking about what to buy your wife, not Victoria's Secret. All right. So so uh, there were other there were other folks involved. There was the um, the modeling agent in France who would get these models. And if you start really digging into like actors who are involved in in sex trafficking, you'll find you'll find Robert De Niro. You'll find Bridget Nielsen. Um, going back into uh, into France into the 90s. So like all all of these folks, like all of these water walkers, they're all connected to to like sex trafficking rings. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah, well that's that's how someone can die, you know, mysteriously hang themselves with uh, all the security cameras going off and uh, nobody seeing a thing and not a thing. Yeah, autopsy inconclusive and and so on and so forth. So. The, the Michael Baden, Michael Baden was the, uh, the, the New York City autopsy guy who said, who ruled that Epstein was actually murdered um, and that, that what he saw was not consistent with suicide. I will say 
that that dude was also a defense witness for OJ. Interesting. Yeah. So like, so it all kind of wraps up together. Ooh, ooh, another creepy OJ connection. Uh, Alan Dershowitz. Look into Alan Dershowitz's association with Jeffrey Epstein. Alan Dershowitz has just been added to the President's Defense Council. Now, it was very recently, a couple days ago, uh, it, it came out that um, they were not going to release a lot of the names that were associated with Jeffrey Epstein um, because it wouldn't do the public any good. Like, it would not benefit them to know who these names are that were associated with Jeffrey Epstein. And Alan Dershowitz is one of those names that frequently gets associated with Jeffrey Epstein. Now, that man is right now defending, uh, getting ready to uh, defend the president against impeachment. Just saying. Like, it's a fucking creepy circle and the fish has eaten itself. And it, it always will over there. Like, there's no... That, that high politics like that, it is just filled with us. And it always will be. And there's, I don't think there's any getting away from it. Right, because you're always going to have bad people gravitate towards that sort of power. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. It's um, someone described it as like sports for ugly people. Yeah, you know, and and that's how we end up with that's how we end up with what we end up with. I mean, think about any of the presidents that we've had over the last twenty years. If you really think about, um, and let's go back, let's go back forty years. Like, what, who, um. Who did you actually trust? The more information that comes out uh, about the stuff that can't, that they did during their administration, like the more it ruins the facade, the public image of who these people were. Like on one hand, um, a lot of people have very fond memories of Ronald Reagan, but uh, on the other hand, you also have the legacy of the CIA, um, the CIA and the Iran Contra and the cocaine uh, importing into the United States. Um, some people will look at um, like George uh, George H W Bush. And neglect all these other things that that he was kind of associated with, um, but I know we're losing that facade. I think the facade is going away thanks to like the internet and things that you like genies you can't put back in the bottle. Yeah, well, that no, that's a big part of it is once it's out there like that, and back you know like when we were kids, it's you know they got uh, you watch it on TV and you might read something in Soldier of Fortune magazine or something like that, some kind of conspiracy theory, but. Um, now all that information is freely accessible, yeah, and doesn't go away. And you you get like the um, Ricky Gervais, you know, which I didn't even know who that guy was until that whole opening thing. And I just that's not kind of TV I watch. Yeah, but uh, for him to call out every single one of those guys like that was hilarious to me. Like shots so fired right now. So there's a, there's a particular actor who gets wrapped up, um, and when his name gets said in connection to, to diddling with kids, people go away, right? And I won't say that actor. I probably did it already on this podcast in a previous episode. Um, but they had a shot of his face while Ricky Gervais uh, was, was ripping into Hollywood, talking about the pedophiles. And... Um, I can tell you that that Isaac Cappy is no longer with us after he mentioned this guy's name. I don't know if you're familiar with Isaac Cappy. He was mm -hmm. in Thor. Uh, he is an actor who jumped off of a bridge uh, shortly after posting an Instagram video saying that he was definitely not suicidal. But in his Instagram videos, he would talk about the pedophiles in Hollywood, and he would say names. He would say who the fuck they were. 
and then he jumps off a bridge. Now there is another journalist, I cannot remember her name without going to my phone, um, but she was uh, murdered the day that Epstein was arrested. Now she was also covering this guy as well as some of the names that were associated with Epstein um, at some of these major corporations that may or may not have killed the story about Jeffrey Epstein years ago. But that being said, uh, she is no longer with us after she revealed some of these people's names. And you you can Google them and look them up real, real quick. Oh, there's uh, a, the, the death list is huge. It's like 150 or something now um, of connected people to this that, you know, committed suicide by stabbing themselves in the back three times. Uh, fucking dangerous. Yeah. I mean, and that's why... Why am I doing this? Why <laughs> am I doing this? I, you know what? There's a Conor McGregor Cowboy Cerrone fight that is way more entertaining than I will ever be. That's coming up, by the way, this Saturday. Do you have picks for that? Uh, no. All right. Well, I'm gonna go with the American. Okay. Fair enough. I USA. Mean, fair enough. The more time I spend thinking about it, like I realize why McGregor is the favorite. Um, but it's weird because there's not the buildup that there was in some of these previous fights. The dudes. Uh, not acting up, he's not going crazy, and he says that it's because he was drunk the last time, which is not at all hard to believe. Sure. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been drunk, but I've certainly been drunk, and I thought I keep way, meaning to try it. Well, yeah. yeah, way more capable than I actually am at pretty much anything. Um, so yeah, I can imagine that he might have been a, a a wee bit inebriated, but yeah, I I imagine. Um, the same same prediction that anyone else anyone else is thinking about this fight is if it's uh, if it's a quick if it's a quick fight it's because Connor ended it if it's a long fight it's because um, Cowboy didn't get knocked out in the first or second round and that's that's I think how that one goes all right um, well let's see what's going on ah son of a bitch. All right, and we're back from our coffee break. How was your coffee? It's delicious. That's really good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Coffee Express, by the way. Um, not not terrible. Shout out to Coffee Express. Um, so I gotta I gotta do some some solid uh, like sponsor shout outs because because uh, I mean I wouldn't even call them sponsors supporter shout outs. Um, first one out to uh, to Iron Asylum located on KB Drive. We're gonna be sitting down a little bit later uh, to talk to Brandon on his podcast about the Harry Man. He'll be here soon. Um, pretty excited about that. With Curtis. Curtis Nunn. Right. I love Catch Me Some Harry Man. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm really excited to talk about the Harry Man because there's there's just so much to it. There's, there's a lot of mythology. But more than that, is there an actual body count? We will find out. All right. We're going to discuss these things, as well as possible adventures to go try and meet the Harry Man. I'm excited about all of this. It's 2020. I'm going to catch him. Yeah. I mean, whatever it turns out, it's just uh, turns out it's just a hippie. Just doesn't want to be bothered. It's a big hippie. Just a big hippie. And like, what if that's where the mythology of Chewbacca comes from? What if Chewbacca was a Yeti? Is it really hard to believe that... Okay, so I've been checking out a book uh, called Alien World Order. It's um, about the... A reptilian plan to control our world. Okay. Now, it, just like anything to do with with any kind of faith or religion, like you don't have to believe it, but these people very, very much do. Um, and and a lot of what they say uh, in regards to 
um, like interplanetary communication, how we get there and makes way more sense than a lot of the, the way that it's presented to us by people who we know aren't necessarily telling us the truth. Um, but that, that being said, um, you've been in Alaska for a really long time. And one of the things that I've noticed in my time up here is that just about everyone has a reality show. Like there's a reality show for just about every community. And if not, it's coming soon to your community. Like that's going to be part of your community's uh, secondary um, industry is going to be supporting the filming of that reality TV show that has things scripted all over town. Yeah, it's coming. And what do you think they're going to, what would be the reality show of Soldatna? Oh, probably something about trying to catch some meth heads. Um, about your uh, four-wheeler going missing, something like that. Mm-hmm. Kenai versus Soldatna rivalry. You know, who's the uh, whatever? Yeah. yeah, it's 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 super quiet down here. You know, it's I'm good kinda, with that. Yeah, I kind of like how we're pretty much removed from it, and you know, that's why that's why I like living down here. You know, super quiet. I, I love living in a community that is essentially a gas station on the way to Homer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the industries that rose up around that. Um, you know, and, and oil, and oil, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you think, do you feel like there's like a particular um, Alaska reality show that hurts more to watch than others? Yes, the worst one is that, uh, that creepy family. Um, Jules family? No. No, not them. That okay. was just super fake because they live twelve minutes from you know. from downtown. Yeah, so I went to their their homestead because uh, they've got you know like they rent it out. They let people yeah. like uh, stay on there. And a guy uh, a guy I know that I met through a really good friend of mine was staying out there. And so I met like Jewel and her gigantic boy. I don't know if she's still with him. I think he played for the Colts. Like some gigantic like fucking handsome. It, like if you were worth if you're a, a pretty woman worth forty million dollars, that's what you get after you and your husband split up. You're like, I'm gonna get me a football player, and that's the football player you get because he's shredded like a head of lettuce and looks like he was sculpted by the gods of what they think a god looks like. Um, and so like the, immediately the sort of dude you look at and you think, man, I'm just so much less of a man. Um, <laughs> But if you're already good looking and you have $40 million, that's what you get you. And she got her one of those. Uh, the same thing is like any other like rich uh, dude in his 50s. If he's already good looking, he's getting himself some, like he's settling down with something that's uh, ridiculous because he can. And he's already got a billion dollars. So shout out to Jewel and her yeah. family and that show. No, no, not that one. The okay. one. Uh... The Browns. I can't name the show all of a sudden, but uh, you know the creepy family. You got the guy that runs around the woods. I don't know. I don't really watch TV. No, yeah, me either. But this one's horrible for Alaska. I don't even think they are. They're like from Washington or something. But oh, they were probably one of those like PFD scammers. Yeah. I, ooh, I think that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, like um, the PFD scammers. I don't even know if it's still on the air, but that, that one's pretty bad. Like a lot of them, I had. Uh, I used to do this um, uh, bear hunting uh, veteran outreach program, and uh, it's still run by a guy here in town, um, Havalaska, and uh, we rented out the Tionic Lodge for basically two months of summer, 
Um, we did that for seven or eight years. And uh, so the, kind of the whole premise is we had a pretty big operation doing bear hunting, but it's not on state land. So you don't have to worry about being uh, the mile away from the roads and stuff like that for bear baiting. And so it worked for all what we did is we did uh, paralyzed veterans. So we had these handicap accessible tree stands and places you could never get someone in a wheelchair, basically, like, cause you got to go on a boat or whatever. And here we would just drive right to it. And then we made these big handicap ramps and you're 20 feet up in the air, you know, hunting bears. So anyway, we did that for all these years and we had a couple different people come out that had an interest in doing some sort of a, um, reality show kind of based on what we were doing. They would follow us around a little bit and it never just really took off. And uh, one year we had the, the Discovery Channel guys out there and you had um, that gold, uh, gold Rush. We had some guys from Gold Rush, include, including the old man Jack. He came out, uh, Chris Dowmet or Dowdit. Um, he came out and then the most obnoxious producer ever. We were like ready to throw this guy in the lake on the first day. So anyway, they came out and kind of followed us around and saw what we do. And um, more than anything, they were just, uh, they were really good, like, oh, stop right here. And they wanted us to set something up. And so just seeing how fake this was, you know, like firsthand, like how ridiculous it was. Like, hey, do you think you guys could do this? And a lot of what he was asking, the producer, was highly illegal. And it's like, no, we're not doing that. Hey, For example? Can, uh, can we go shoot this bear and have this guy do it? You're like, uh, no, we can't do that. That's absolutely, that's, a, that's three felonies right there. You know, oh, okay. And then he would ask to, to do something else. You know, he just, he was an asshole. And so I can see how you get a pushy guy like that. And especially if they're waving money in your face, you know, that that's what, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing scripted TV, poorly scripted, poorly acted. You know, I just, I can't get into it. It's, so it's not really big, dumb. Not a big Miami toe guy? No. Uh, what about uh, the one with the rednecks and the geese in Louisiana? No. No? Okay. No rednecks and geese for you? Mm-mm. No, I think the only one I've ever seen that I liked was the uh, the last Alaskans. That's like up in the Arctic National Wildlife. There's a few cabins up there. And that one seemed pretty legit. In fact, I know um, Jaime. Um, so uh, one of the pararescue men wrote a book. Roger Sparks wrote a book about um, kind of his, his life and being a PJ. And he's got a story about jumping in there in the dead of winter to rescue his wife who got super ill and uh so those, those guys are the real deal but most of those shows you see are just fake crap you know that i think the only reason we even got all that was we did those film tax credits back when oil was 150 a barrel and we had buku bucks and the state said let's make movies up here and so they were just throwing money at you know so it, that's it, how it, we it, got it. insomnia mm-hmm. um is that how we got the fourth kind that was that wasn't that was uh, not filmed up here. Yeah, but it took place in Nome. So I know, I but it wasn't like... filmed. That was. Did you ever see the opening sequence for Bethel, Alaska, with all the trees? Have you ever been to Bethel? I have never been to Bethel. There no trees. Not a tree out there. No trees. Well, it's the very top of the world. They don't grow there. No, that's Barrow. Bethel's west of here. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a big, vacant tundra. Now, what about um, abductions out here? Do you know anything about them? Like alien story? Yeah. Heard anything? Not really, no. It's too cold for aliens up here. 
Yeah, if you um, if you check online, there there have been some sightings uh, all around the inlet, mostly lights, um, unexplained light patterns, light movements. It's a super cub that got lost. Yeah, I mean, you can't land those things in the dark. They got to fly around all night waiting for spring or summer, summer the the daylight. It's long. Those things are really good on gas. <laughs> you hope so. You just fly really high so you can coast back down. <laughs> yeah, do you up there for three to four months at a time? The heater in there is great. Um, yeah. Have you ever uh, before we we talk about the Harry Man with Brandon? Um, do you have any any stories about uh, about seeing anything out in the woods? I know you spend a lot of time out in the woods with some of your different companies. And yeah, some well, you know. no, I've I've never caught the Harry Man. Um, seen all sorts of crazy stuff, though, especially when you're like uh, when we would do our bear hunt thing. You know, we're spending like forty five days out in the woods, and so you do you see some some wacky stuff that you attribute to. Oh, that must have been a bear. Um, especially when you're feeding them, you know, like we're, you're bear baiting and we had a lot of camera, like that was what was kind of neat is I've got, um, so for all those years we did that, we had multiple cameras on these bait stations. And so I've seen the, the things that bears like to do, you know, when no one, they think no one's watching. Um, we've seen a bear and a moose at the same stand, like behaving themselves, eating dog food, you know, it's wild, right? Not a grizzly bear, it was a black bear, but they like tolerated each other enough to know that there's 50 pounds of dog food here and uh, there's enough for both of them. So they both sat there eating it. Um, yeah, there's uh, never seen the hairy man though. There's a lot of unexplained stuff. So can you kind of give the, the mythology of the hairy man? Uh, can you kind of talk about that? Sure, bit? yeah. So it's the, I guess the Alaskan version of Sasquatch, Yeti, okay. um, or... Uh, the name is escaping me what the um, natives up here called him. But uh, yeah, like every every population center throughout, you know, the known world and has got some story very similar about a large ape-like creature. And no one's ever really spotted one except for Robert uh, Wadlow, and that was disputed. So um, yeah, people think he might be out there, Harry and the Henderson style, but... Um, you think you'd see some bones or something at this point, but I've seen, I've heard some, some pretty convincing arguments as to why you don't, you know, and, and having done so much hunting, like we would, uh, you drop a bear or a moose and you come back in, I don't know, a week, there's nothing left, nothing. You know, there might be a few pieces of hide or something around, but that disappears quickly. You know, there's nothing left of a, of a carcass. So. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. You know, yeah, they find moose bones and stuff out there. But, uh, yeah, if you, you shoot an animal in Alaska, it's it's gone in a week, if not sooner. Well, bears are also cannibals. So, mm-hmm. you know, like if you drop a bear, you know, if if a bear is hungry, it's going to eat that bear. So, uh, I mean, I, I've never been out far enough, long enough to see anything out in the woods other than, like, moose. Um, so I have zero frame of reference for this, but I'd really like to go. Um, now, do you think that there's there's anything to some of the stories about uh, the hairy man and towns being abandoned? And well, the the one that um, you'd asked me about earlier, like the Portlock, Port Chatham. Um, so I I'd, I'd come across an article a couple years ago, and uh, my grandpa, who lived in Seward from like the age of eight or something, forever. Um, I asked him about that one time because he lived in Seward when the town was abandoned. And so 
some people did move out to um, into Seward there. And then he also, uh, when he was a commercial fisherman, he's been there, right? That's really like, oh, what's it like? You know, like, I'm totally going to go check this out. And uh, so this year I'm going to do it, you know, like get a boat and we're going to run on over there. And and uh, I've seen some pictures of it. And uh, but yeah, so yeah, Grandpa talked about, you know, they hiked up there, see what this is all about. Hiked around the woods. Didn't see any, uh, any hairy man running around, but um, it's super spooky. Probably because it's a giant, you know, it's basically a cannery town. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those, but they're all over Alaska. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. And it was a convenient place back before they had refrigeration, you know. So when they would catch all this fish, they had to do something with it quickly. And so you had all these canneries, that, you know, Kodiak, all over the place. When you fly over, when you're like, what's this giant complex down here? And it was a cannery because they had to be able to preserve all that fish right there. They didn't. You know, the, the fish couldn't make the trip. It would rot. So you had all these little places around. The fishermen would go out fish, catch it, bring it back. They'd process it. Then they'd load it up on these big tugs that would head south with all these, all the fish. Well, anyway, that's what this town was. And then it, uh, the men started getting picked off one by one when they would uh, leave town. It'd be totally dismembered. And it scared the village enough where the entire place shut down in like 50-51 and moved. Now, my understanding is that it had been shut down a couple of times. Like, it didn't just happen once. Uh, it happened earlier in the century as well. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stories, and we're going to try and get to the bottom of it and figure it all out because the hairy man is way cooler than, than a lot of the other stuff that's on TV and poses as entertainment. Let's dive right into the hairy man because, well, it's one of our cool little, like, our cool Alaskan stories same thing with uh, i'm learning now a little bit about the black pyramids uh by denali so if you're at home you know by all means google that look into that one and the alaska bermuda triangle like why do we have so many people missing well it's a big state and it's really easy to go missing but it's also very easy to make someone go away so if i don't know maybe people are being snatched up by aliens it's a big state you can put them someplace i'm not discounting anyone i've had I've had people I've, I've spoken to tell me some very interesting stories about things that have happened to them or things that they've seen. And so, like, at this point, part of this podcast is, like, documenting that, and I kind of want to hear about it. So if you're at home, you got some crazy shit, you were abducted, please talk to me. What was the guy that uh, got um, a super brilliant scientist, worked for uh, NASA or what? The guy that just had the big Netflix show exposing the aliens he worked on in Area 51? Bob Lazar. Yeah, okay. right. You got a guy like that, absolute pure genius. You know, seemed like he's in his right mind. You know, with nothing to gain by coming out with this story, and so it's the stuff like that that'll kind of like make you think. Okay, I, I believe that guy. So a little bit about um, Bob Lazar and that documentary that came out. That was directed by a guy named Jeremy Corbell. Jeremy Corbell directs not very good UFO and, and extraterrestrial documentaries. He did one called uh, The Hunt for... Um, uh, shoot, I bought it. I'm very upset about it because I bought it and it sucked. Um, but I bought it on Prime. 
Uh, it was about uh, can't uh, return those because it sucks. Can't, ah. can't, can't return them. Um, but it was uh, it's the hunt for the Skinwalker. It was about Skinwalker Ranch, a uh, place where cattle mutilations happen, mm-hmm. crazy uh, supernatural events have happened. And Jeremy Corbell directed this uh, this piece of shit that I can't get my money back for. Anyway, so Jeremy Corbell also directed the Bob Lazar documentary. Now, every time there's an alien situation that comes up, who is the alien guy that goes on to Joe Rogan's podcast to talk about it with whoever the person is? Jeremy Corbell. Jeremy Corbell joins Bob Lazar when Jer- uh, when he goes on to the Joe Rogan experience. Later in the year, uh, when that uh, the Navy commander from the Tic Tac uh Video. I'm not sure if you saw the the Navy UFO no. Tic Tac commercial or commercial video. Uh, it was a Navy fighter jet that was tracking a Tic Tac shaped thing that was bouncing around and defied the laws of physics. Jeremy Corbell is the guy that that went on Joe Rogan uh, with him. Now, there's another guy by the name of Jeremy Corbett. Now, Jeremy Corbell is a guy who's only been do- doing documentaries for a couple of years, and he charges people twenty bucks to watch it or puts it on Netflix, whatever. Jeremy Corbett is a guy that does truth to power documentaries on uh, YouTube, and he's been doing it for uh, well over a decade. But it's all truth to power stuff. It's uh, exposing hypocrisy, exposing exposing conspiracies that have nothing to do with aliens, right? They have to do with the power structure. Now, Jeremy Corbett has been on podcasts of guys who have been on the Joe Rogan experience, uh, and he's, he's a very esteemed guest. He's a very well well-respected dude inside of the the truther community because it's all truth to power stuff he did a really good documentary um on tim mcveigh where he says that timothy timothy mcveigh was uh essentially a sheep dipped uh, special forces troop and he does a very good job of breaking down that information and why why there's enough evidence to make that claim uh or that um in fact, World War I was started 20 years before the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. And so Jeremy Corbett is, I believe, being intentionally suppressed uh, because he's doing truth to power stuff. Meanwhile, the UFO stuff is what gets promoted. When they do promote anything, they promote UFO stuff rather than truth to power stuff. That's why you, you see stuff like uh, Navy confirms UFO something or other um, versus... We're not getting John McAfee saying who killed Epstein. We're not getting Epstein's connections to this person or this person or what intelligence agencies uh, were involved in um, these blackmailing um, schemes that that Epstein was involved in because essentially it was a blackmail scheme. You got people who were involved in major industries um, to to compromise themselves in in ways that would destroy their lives okay like dennis has uh dennis haskett haspit he was a former speaker of the house before that he was a wrestling coach that was diddling with boys but next thing you know he's a couple heartbeats away from the presidency like no one vetted that dude and when he eventually went away it had nothing to do with the kids it had to do with something else um but we have these dudes that are compromised that they can compromise and then they they use them for as long as they can use them. Um, I mean, that's why you had someone like Bill Clinton who was getting on Epstein's plane 20-odd times. You start looking at some of those names that are connected to the mega group, and it's uh, these other conspiracies start to make a whole lot more sense, whether it's um, Hollywood uh, 
presenting something for entertainment that actually happened, which is what a guy by the name of Bill Cooper said in um, a book called Behold the Pale Horse. Essentially, that stuff like E.T., um, Close Encounters of the Third, Third Kind, movies like that, uh, were full of things that actually happened. So, when you see guys like Spielberg, who's been involved in all of these other movies that are about representing the narrative of what actually happened to sort of miss for, for society to collectively misremember what happened. I've gone on this like in, in another podcast with um, like say Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump is presented to us in a way that we misremember history and it associates, we get a nostalgic feeling from it. That's why there is a Bubba Gump uh, shrimp company. That's why you can go to their restaurants and get all kinds of shrimp. Um, not because any of that shit matters, but because we can sell nostalgia, we can sell an image, we can sell a memory or an idea. Um, and so people buy into that. That's why you see Wonder Woman 1984. You start seeing a Transformers movie that takes place in the 80s starring John Cena. No one actually gives a fuck or asked for it, but it was created because we remember things. And that's how we end up remembering things, is how it's presented to us in a movie. And so when you see, like, the Mr. Rogers movie, uh, inspired by a true story, that means, another thing we've also previously talked about in this podcast, there is a distinct possibility now that the urban myth, uh, the urban legend about Mr. Rogers being a marine sniper is actually true because inspired by a true story is a lot different than based on a true story. Right. So I'm sure you've heard the urban legend about Mr. Rogers being some decorated war, like a decorated Marine sniper with more confirmed kills than anyone else. And I believe it. Sleeps. It makes way more sense uh, than all of that other shit, than the, you know, some piece of shit movie with uh, Tom Hanks. No, no, I want to see... I want to see that story. I want to see Fred Rogers... Uh, like low crawling through the mud, ready to put one in somebody. Like that's the story I want to see. That's way more entertaining. Uh, and another idea I'd like to expand on um, is this this idea that perhaps Pee Wee Herman is is a misunderstood um, representative uh, for conservative masculinity. And hear me out. Okay, that's a tough sell. It is a tough sell. Um, do you remember his partner, um, his his uh, his two uh, IC in Pee Wee's Playhouse, in the, in the TV show? Gee, that was a long time ago. Lawrence right. Fishburne, Morpheus himself. Really? Yeah. Huh. So the man, the man who gave Neo his red pill. All right, was was the same dude who was backing up Pee Wee Herman. Now, before this. Let, let's let's keep in mind Lawrence Fishburne has had an incredible career. Like after this, he went on to do Gangs of New or not Gangs of New York, um, uh, King of New York. Previous Wick, to this, one two three. Yeah, um, but before that, he was in Apocalypse Now. He's always been very much about uh, telling tr telling the truth, telling real stories that matter. Um, and so you see Hollywood try to destroy him um, with uh, with his daughter. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar if you're familiar with the story of his daughter. Uh, his daughter. Was uh, did porn, Montana Fishburne. Um, she was she was doing pornography. Um, I, I really do believe that that 
the industry attempted to destroy him because of a lot of the things that that he's done in his career uh, to to showcase opening your eyes to what's really there. Um, and that's why you can make the case that uh, Pee Wee Herman was arrested and attacked because he was jerking off at straight porn at a time when um, if they could control Pee Wee, because guarantee if Pee Wee had been caught with a little boy, we'd never have fucking heard about it. We would not have heard about it um, because he that he would have been he would have been under their control. Meanwhile, he's arrested for for jerking off at a porn theater as a as to to like chicks and dudes. He wasn't doing any. I mean, I hope he would have cleaned up after himself. But nonetheless, um, yeah, they I think they destroyed Pee Wee. I blame the man. Probably. Because they were trying to bring, uh, they were trying to bring back that fucking useless sack of shit, uh, uh, Fred, whatever his name was. You know what? Mr. Robinson was way cooler. Mr. Robinson from uh, Saturday Night Live, Eddie Murphy's character. Oh, yeah, hot Mr. In the hot tub? No, that was uh, that was James Brown. James Brown, hot in the hot tub. Yeah, It'll make you sweat. <sighs> James Brown's hot tub. Which, by the way, did you see Eddie Murphy's return to Saturday Night Live? No. He did a return to Saturday Night Live. He uh, made fun of Bill Cosby in the intro. <coughs> it was good. It was romantic. It was good times. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, uh, clearly sticking to his diet, has just walked into the building. We will be doing some other shit, recording some Iron Asylum podcasts for you ladies and gents. All right. Stay classy. Hey, good. Curtis. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning, A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children and E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Red Run Cannabis Company, License 3A10056. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, License 4A10052. Red Run Cannabis Cultivators, License 5A19372. 5455 Kenai Spur Highway, 12156 Kenai Spur Highway, Kenai, Alaska, 99611.